0: Hello, oh, You know the reason I the reason I ask
1: about these psalms and the reason I want to draw attention to them is we start proclaiming things. Have any of you guys ever heard of self fulfilling prophecy? You ever hear that? So if you tell yourself that you suck long enough, guess what you? When you believe that you suck or that you aren't worthy. Hey, Henry, you mind if I have all those money? I think it's the last two. Henry. Have done anything? come on now. So, when so the song sings, I see the evidence of. we start to look for His goodness and we start to look for His beauty in everything. Right? This little church has been under a lot of testing. A lot of spiritual warfare in a lot of different ways. And it would be so easy to look at everything that's been going on and say, well, this isn't working. Wouldn't it? Isn't it easier to just quit? No. It's a lot easier to quit. The problem is the outcome sucks. Yeah, right? Just straight up sucks. You see, but when, we, when we allow the world to dictate our hope and our faith, that's when we get jacked up, hijacked, backwards, upside down, flipped the script, so you can't even the it anymore. You see, and then, and then the enemy likes to just whittle away and chip away at your hope. And by fulfilling or or prophesying those words by speaking the negative into existence we go right along with it but because of the belief system that we got when we were kids oftentimes we don't know that we have strength and power we don't receive the fullness of God's goodness and glory does that make sense? so now we start listening to those songs and we start going what does that mean I see the evidence of your goodness all over the place all over my life
0: I've talked about this before, and I might be a whack
1: job, right? Like we you know, you know, I got some goofy tendencies once in a while, maybe a little bit over there, whatever. <laughs> but how many of you guys remember when you're growing up, or some of you are still growing up? Somewhere along the lines, you heard, "Look for the silver lining in the clouds." How many of you guys have actually been able to see that, or how many of you guys? Have because it sad. Like I don't know that I could live in the in the Northwest where it rains every day, but I tell you what, a week of rain isn't going to bother me at all. And that's that's weird. People are like, well, rain sucks. You can't do anything. I'm trapped inside. You know, it's all cloudy. and The sun isn't out. I need my vitamin D. Blah 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 blah. Right. But what happens when you start looking for the evidence of God's goodness? A to start out with, I can look out the window and I can see the beauty and I can see what God is doing. So we take we take our turn and we drive our cars and we emit toxic uh, toxic emissions out all over the place. It fills it just throws dirt and chaos. And if you don't believe me, remember the snow in the spring and you know how black it is just before it washes away. I don't know, it just gets nasty. First snow is just beautiful, the fourth one is like, okay, get tired of it. By the end of winter, you got all the black, all the gravel, all the stuff, you can see the piles of garbage. The snow melts off, you look at the trash down in the ditches, and then God comes in and he goes, whoosh! And we get these rains. And things are washed away, the dust and the dirt and the grime come off of the roads, the trees start to blossom. So how is it that we've turned something beautiful, God's cleansing His watering, into something negative? Do you think God meant for us to look at the rain and say oh, this sucks? Or do you think God intended us to be thankful and joyful and everything? So i see the evidence of oh goodness all over this place. You see how we flip the script on the enemy? Yes. Yeah. Want you to be down in the dumps and say, Well, I have stats, I'm affected. And some people generally just it's it's a struggle, really truly a struggle. So I'm not to mention that. I'm just saying the positive thought takes over the negative thought every time. And so today, today, how is it that we can celebrate the loss of a man's life? That someone would give their life for you and I, someone would say, hey, me and my dad, we created you, I have my spirits in you. And so we get to celebrate the greatest love story ever written, and it's not fiction, this is a complete non-fiction, it's like God's autobiography as he's telling about his beautiful kids and how much he absolutely adores you, that he would give his only son for you. So in that, and knowing the promises, and knowing the words, how is it that we can take and believe the enemy that rain is bad or that everything is horrible and nothing's ever going to work out? It can feel like that sometimes. Pretty beat down by this world. And it's tough. But when you have the hope of Jesus Christ dwelling in you, you always have somewhere to turn. Always. There is always going to be a better day. It doesn't mean that yesterday doesn't hurt. It just means that yesterday doesn't have to dictate the rest of your life. Right? So we take, we take the experiences in our life, good, bad, ugly, or indifferent take the truth and hope and love of Jesus Christ, and we put them together, and we learn, and we grow, and we teach, and we share our testimonies about what life has brought us, and what we've gone through the things, and and how it made us feel, because there's some young kid that's going to need hope, and they can't see it. They can't see how hope in Jesus Christ is going to make a, a bit of difference. But when you drop your testimony, you lay down the truth, and you say, "You know what? Through it all, God has been good. Through it all, God has been faithful." You see, we got to work on changing our belief system. We got to change the way that we, the way that we look at life. I so, said, whew, I've had enough suck for one day, I'll go to bed. <laughs> but it's 10 o'clock in the morning. I don't get a it burns to you up. <laughs> so we all get that way, right? It just means it's a bad day. It doesn't mean it's a bad life. But Jesus came that we would have hope for the future. Jeremiah 29 11 tells us We would have a hope in the future that we would have life and life in abundance. The end of John 10 10. And so when we take communion, it's not just communion to do communion. Communion means something so special, so incredibly (coughs) amazing to me that God, the creator of heaven and earth, looks at me and says, Fred, you're valuable. Fred, you're worth it. Insert your name. And if I have to, I will walk around this room and I will point every one of you out and I will call you by name, in the name of God, prophetically, to show you and to share with you, Dan, that God loves you. That you are worth it, Rachel. God loves you ridiculously. Seth, you're his boy. Right? God's got you and He loves you. Period. That's all there is to it, Heidi. That's it. Period. There's nothing to question. The only thing to question is your beliefs. But your faith, your faith is going to to work on that belief so that you can turn the corner and you can say, God loves me. And He can get rid of the, the lies that the enemy says that nobody can love me. That's because I love you. I created this world. And so when he, when he gave His Son Jesus, who came and he ministered for three plus years, and the night in which He was betrayed, He took the time to love up on His voice. Because he put his faith into the boys, he put his spirit into the boys, those 12, and he knew one of them was gonna betray him, and he still invited him to the table. He still invited him to the table, and you and I need to know that we're invited to the table. So much so that he worded it, he put it in his word for us to read 2,000 years later. And he's still saying, you're invited to the table. Come and sup with me. But he switched it just a little bit. You see, because until Jesus blessed and gave thanks, they ate bread. Once he blessed and gave thanks, he said, this is my body, broken and given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There's somebody who in here that need to know how much he loves you. He wants you to put the doubt away. He wants you to receive him in fullness because he loves you. It's not just his body, it's his blood that he shed on the cross for you and I so that we can live. Even when the world tries to tell us it sucks. God says, I love you. He says, I love you. I love you. So Jesus, after supper, he took the cup, of blessed it, he gave thanks, and he said, This is the blood of the new covenant shed for you. power and the authority to rebuke what the enemy is telling you. If it goes against the word of God, say, be gone, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Be gone. We're going to talk about it today, right after we sing the doxology. we're going to finish off the book of James. But I want to in the doxology, so if you have your bulletin, it's in there. Everybody got it? Why do we sing the doxology? Right? Because again, it's not just about doing something so many times and just, you know, being able to regurgitate words. It's a reminder. Because in the midst of everything, in the midst of it all, God gave His Son. And God is a good and perfect gift giver. Satan's a rotten, malicious to At best. He comes rock, steal, cheat, and destroy. But God, the creator of heaven and earth, comes to we might have life and life in abundance. So he will give thanks to Jesus with me. Praise God. So, Henry, thank you so much for uh, helping over the last couple of weeks. You've done a great job. thank you, Henry. Woo-hoo. Not only did he look sexy, but he brought a great word. Thank you, Susan, for blessing <laughs> my help. He's a cutie. <laughs> he is a cutie. Yeah, I, I would have
0: <laughs>
1: So we are on the last week. You guys, if you got your little notes thing in your bulletin, there's a place for notes. I want you to mark every time you see the word pray or prayer, and then I want you to notice if it's questions and should I pray or is it an action step? Because there's something calling us to action. Can you do that? So however you decide to do it, um, you'll also look at your bulletin, and there's a little question in there. Uh-huh. I did that funny. So, James 13, 5.13-14. Is anyone among you suffering? Anybody in here suffering? Anybody in here struggling with some stuff? Okay. So... This is the beautiful thing about knowing the Word of God, beloved. like, know the Word of God because the answers for life are in it. Right? So if you're suffering, then what? Let him what? Pray. Let him pray. Is that him just masculine only or can girls pray too? God, can be more the type of word that is a believer. And let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. I want to pop into here. Oops, sorry. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. What are you supposed to sing praise about? Like, how do you sing praise? How many of you guys have... A bunch of songs on lockdown in your brain and you can just recite them. I got a few but what if you didn't have one? What if if you're having one of those little uh those little brain fog days? What can you do? There's a little book in your replay and it's called Psalms and in the Psalms many of those are songs that David wrote songs of praise to God. Um, right around Psalm 96 to 100 um, I think we might even go back to 89, but right in there somewhere, you'll see a lot of things about praising God in those verses, in those, in that, those chapters. And so you can just open up your Bible and how beautiful to have to have that so readily accessible to you. So if you don't know what to say, if you don't know, if you know you just want to sing praise, just do you think the devil likes it when he send praise to God? Or do you think it shapes him? What do you think? He doesn't like it at all. Bends him a little sideways, Joby? Right. he downward So, what happens when we're struggling in a day? And we're praying and we're praying and we just can't get it out of our heads. Right? Like have you ever been tormented by a fodder or something, something somebody did to you, and it just like it just eating at you, just eating and ripping it's like, oh and you're trying, and the next thing you know, you're in tears or you're in fear, the next thing you know, you just say, to happen at all, or just whatever. All of a sudden, some of your addictions, some of your struggles, uh my is Fred, and I'm a recovered alcoholic. And it didn't take much. I've told you many times, it didn't take much to get me to the sauce. Right? And that's the way that I try to fix all my problems. But there's something that I know from all my drug and alcohol use. Every time I woke up, there were two things that were there. The miserable guy I went to bed with, and the misery that made me every time I woke up, they were still there. So why would I keep going back to the same tool if it doesn't work? Anybody anybody in here know a little bit about mechanics? So if if I have a 3-8 nut, and I have an inch and a quarter box end wrench, and I put my inch and a quarter box end wrench on my 3-8 nut, and it doesn't work, do I have the right to be mad at the wrench and whip it across the room because I've tried it 3,700 times and it doesn't do anything? Yes. This stupid wrench is broken. Grab the welder. <laughs> <laughs> nice weld into it. Thanks, Ray. You can use duct tape. But well, we do that. We put the wrong tool on the wrong problem, and we don't get it fixed, and somehow we're mad. It's like, well, duh. But that's how the enemy wants us to think. The only way that you're going to do this is by your own habits, by the old way that you did things. But God is telling us here in James that there's something that's much more effective than the ways of the world. And it's the ways of the Lord. And they are two polar opposite things so when you can't figure out how to pray about it your prayer doesn't work go to number two which might be number one that particular day and sing a song read a psalm, read a hymn read something that's speaking that's taking you to somewhere other than where you are you see because darkness cannot stay where the light is and so when you input light into your darkness. The darkness must flee, amen? So what's troubling you? What's getting you down? What's got it all up in your crawl? What's turning you sideways? What's bending you over backwards and just making you upset? What is it? Cast the light on it. Cast the truth on it. Because, brothers and sisters, we all go through this stuff. So, so, is anyone cheerful? Let them sing praises. Anybody suffering? Let them sing. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Oil. 98% of the time I have oil. Does this heal? Does the oil heal? Who heals? Jesus. Jesus through prayers. Why do they call for the elders? Why call for the elders? The elders of a church are picked because they are supposed to be spiritually mature, stronger possibly in their faith. Even though it says faith like a mustard seed, you see, because if I'm still if I'm still wrapped up over here and I'm still believing all the negative, or say something just kicks me sideways and I'm left over here, then what do I do? I need someone to help and walk with me through this. We anoint. It says, the anointing is to be carried out in the name of Jesus Christ, signifying the divine authority with which the anointing is done. So if it's Jesus Christ that heals. doesn't have to be just the elders, but a lot of times the reason they're calling for the elders is just faith, right? So it doesn't have to Healing is something we can get into, absolutely. But if, if I don't... So the point is kind of here that James is mentioning is that if somebody doesn't have the faith to believe in healing, to pray for healing, why would they do it? It's just like singing the songs and not taking what the songs mean. It's like reading the word and not ingesting what the word actually means. You know what I'm saying? Like so many of us take the word of God just kind of lack the Eh, whatever. You know, yeah, I remember John 3.16. I can't say it all, but I remember it. Why is it important to remember Scripture? Just so you can pass the test when Pastor calls on I mean, you just so you can be the best Sunday school kid. Did everybody remember their Bible verses? The reason I like children to remember Bible verses, and hopefully they're not just getting a print off, but they're actually in their Bible, is because they start to remember addresses, they start to remember where to go. Hopefully there's a teaching behind it, and it's not just regurgitation. Because that's the way our school system and then we just regurgitate stuff on a test, and then you forget. It. Right? What's the greatest, Robert? What's the greatest lesson you learned in third grade? Exactly what I thought. How about you, Terry? What's the greatest lesson you learned in third grade? Well, certainly you did tests. How about seventh grade, Ethan? Don't call on me. <laughs> you don't want to know what I did in seventh grade. <laughs> 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 it's a very true story because many of us went to the same class without being in the same school. <laughs> but what's the difference with us if we don't take the scripture and ingest it as the living, breathing word of God, a piece of power and authority in there? What's the difference? Mark 6.13, ready? You got your B-Boys? Mark 6.13. You there already, honey? No, I have a piece of paper. I usually have. That's our (laughs) truck. Mark 6.13. And if you're at home worshiping with us today, you are welcome to open up your Bibles. I encourage you to open up your Bibles you know your Bible it's important that you know how to get around it what it says it's really really important it will bear great fruit so Mark 6 13 says and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them so that's the apostles doing it so Jesus taught them and they went and did so they were disciples what's a disciple Follower, student. So, we are students, we are disciples of the Word of God, and therefore we learn from who's, who wrote the Word, who wrote the Bible? Uh, Not just pen, but Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit men, yeah. But it says in John 1 that uh, Jesus was the Word and is the Word. So, Jesus spoke into existence in they came to be. Jesus would speak, Holy Spirit, three and one. So if you want to break it out of you could argue any direction you wanted to. But it's important that we start to recognize that we too are disciples of, of Jesus Christ, we're followers. Once you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you receive His righteousness, you receive authority and power. Amen. So when you pray, you have power and authority to cast out demons in the name of Jesus? Does that freak anybody out? It probably does. But if then, it's okay. Because, yeah, for one, how many people want to see a demon? How many people understand how to pray out a demon? Like, what's the difference between demonic oppression and possession? Can demons possess a Christian? Yeah. Or can they just oppress? It's <laughs> a good question. Good question. If you knew your Bible, you'd know this. <laughs> oh. No, we're not going there. We're not going there. But the answers are in your Bible. And one could argue that you cannot be because where the light is, the darkness must flee. However, we know that people Invite demonic possession back in. So if you are a mature Christian, faithful, if you are the person, you're not going to welcome it back in. When we deal with familiar spirits and things that we just become accustomed to because of a poor belief system, where we let the enemy inside of us. And so when we don't have that, when we don't have that thing driving us and moving us, we invite it back even if it's bad, it's still good. Just like waking up every morning with a hangover and going right back to the familiar spirit, because that's how we deal with stuff. Okay? All right? Alright, so they cast out many demons and anointed with oil, many who were sick. So when we pray in the name of Jesus, we anoint you. always hear spirits say in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we anoint you with oil. So that was a ceremonial cleaning in the Old Testament only mentioned twice in the New Testament knowing what God is speaking is important, so Colossians, remember, so if you were in Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd, what's, followed by William popcorn, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, I hope popcorn. So And trust me, just like just like doing the alphabet, a lot of times I have to sing a few a few letters to get to where I want to go. Like what comes after P? <laughs> Q. All right? So Colossians 3:16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. So this is going back to that where where any of us have struggles where we have joy and we need to develop this posture of singing praise and worship to God. Because otherwise we're creating space, we're creating a playing field for the enemy in us or around us to torment us. You know, we give too much to the world instead. Alright, so here's another one from there. This is the one that Jody memorized. I remember when I first met Jody and talked about Don't so we'll take that one away from me, preacher. That's the only one I remember. I uh, spoke so Robert for remembering it. So Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. So this is something that we can do, right? But we don't often understand. But if you know in your Bible where Ephesians is, now you start to learn some of the tools that God has given us. Some of the things that as we walk in faith, When we do what God is calling us to do, we can actually do these things. When the attacks of the enemy keep coming and things aren't working, make sure that you have this. So it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. What's one thing that's telling us? Is God surprised at the devil's work? But He has given us the way out. Right? He's giving us a way out, which is what the Word tells us. He gives us a way out. Let's keep going. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. When we, the body of Jesus Christ, fight so bad that we can't even have a conversation about the things above us, where are we working from? Holy Spirit or Demonic Spirit? Does God tell us that we should get so P.O. at each other that we can't even have conversations? So then if we're not walking with God, then who are we walking with? Right? So we have to get to this point where we're back to having conversations. And just because we have a difference of opinions doesn't mean that anybody should think any less of one another. But somehow we get it so full of ourselves that I'm going to bust you in your face and keep up with that. I said, what do you mean? I just said that I like red Stupid because everybody knows that the blue ones are the best. When the fact of the matter is, all those 25 cent gumballs last about 12 seconds and the sugar wears off and you spit right out. So, why would we fight over red or blue? Well, because blue is the best. No, you're stupid. Red is. I'm using I'm using a silly example because the body of Christ fighting and feuding one another so badly that we're ready to just diss everybody, to heck with it all and done, is just the word of the enemy. But many of us were taught, we have this little thing in the back of our brain. Remember from Water Boy? Even Water Boy legal bodies would god God. Or no, it was, the, it was the redneck. Right? And you had the fight or fight thing in the back of your brain, so i they're going to bust you in your face or I'm going to roll out. And I'm just going to be done with you. And I'm not saying that we're going to be all buddy-buddy, and buddy, loving-loving with everybody that we meet. We're going to have issues. But remembering that it's not against you. It's against the spirit of darkness. And if we take our faith to be what our faith is supposed to be, we'll actually enter into prayer. But I'll tell you what, pride gets in our way, and I get tired of being shot down, so I'm just going to bolt. Because you're stupid, and you ain't never going to listen. When the truth of the matter is, that if we actually listen and look and learn from what God is telling us, we can recognize where our pride might be intercepting the message of God that's getting in our way, and our feelings got hurt. Any man in here strong enough to say, I get my feelings hurt? Right? Now if you look around, who wants to raise their hand, there's some pretty good weight behind us all. So if we know these things, can we start to grow a real faith that goes above and beyond our own pride, can we actually get to a point where we understand that, hey man, everybody's dealing with something. And can we actually say that you hurt my feelings instead of saying you stupid idiot, you suck. I'm so done with you, you pile, you're pious. just, just Right? Whatever words you use in the midst of your glory, can we get beyond that? And we start to recognize that we need to pray, that we need to walk in faith, and so when those feelings start coming up, if you have been in counseling, then you learn the word, I know your triggers. Right? But I didn't have to be in counseling <laughs> <laughs> learn, learn, learn your triggers. You've got to know what sets you off. Which is true. Which is true. But, those things should call us, the Christians, into faith, into prayer, into songs and hymns. And I'm not saying that we're all going to gather around the circle because we're chafed at each other and sing kumbaya. But I am going to say that if we don't start doing something different, then nothing's going to change. And certainly, if we've learned anything through James, we need to learn how to walk in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. If James is talking... To people about God and what God does and who God is, so let's keep it rolling. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand evil, withstand an evil day, and having God all to stand firm. If you're if you're a runner, there's a really good chance that you're not doing all you can do. If you're a fighter, there's a really good chance that you're not doing all that you can do. I've been bold. I I, I got to tell you, I love to leave. I get so I get so up in my business that I love to leave. Well, then fine, I'll just leave because I don't necessarily seem to always be able to get to that point of prayer when I need to get there. So the rest of it, stand there for heaven, fasten on the belt of truth. What's the truth? That Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is good and He is holy, that our fight is not against one another, but against Satan, the lying Mother. The Word of God is the truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, right, like this righteousness and right standing with God, knowing who you are, knowing who you are protects your heart, guards you from the attacks of the enemy. And so nothing can get in there when we actually walk that out, when we actually learn what it is, something changes us. Because I keep saying you have to know who you are and whose you are in order to change where you're going and how you're getting there. Amen? But if you don't ever put that out, if you don't understand that you are in right standing with God and anything that comes against that truth is but a lie from the enemy, you have to get to the point where you understand that. We have to understand the righteousness that Jesus Christ gave us, gave you and I. Whether you're a new Christian or you've been doing this a couple of days, it doesn't matter. You need to know it. Because then when the enemy comes and tells you, you ain't nothing but a snipe nosed pumpkin out and break your teeth. What's the truth? I'm a blood-bought Christian. The truth is, that if you're going to anger people along the way, you're going to get angry at people. But if we understand what's behind it, if we understand who we are, I don't have to get all, I don't have to get that emotional that I lose my business, that I act outside of the character of Christ to see if I have to make that transfer. Just as Jesus Christ transferred from a piece of bread to his body, from the juice to his blood. There needs to be that transfer inside of me, in my heart, in my belief. My faith and my hope needs to be found in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All right, so, and as shoes, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So, what's that saying? That we walk in peace. You see, you and I, when we understand that and the world doesn't have the power and authority to take away any of that anymore, we can walk in peace. We can start speaking a little bit differently to people and most of all, to ourselves. We can stop the lies and all the stuff that's just ripping and tearing us apart on the inside. we got ourselves so worked up, so wound up most of the time. I don't need you to tell me that I did something stupid. I already know. Thank you very much. I beat myself up for the last four days. I don't need you to tell me again. What I need you to do is I need you to walk. And I need you to love me. But right now, I'm beating me I'm good enough. Anybody else help Like you just beat the living tar out of yourself about like every stupid mistake you ever made? How's that working for you so far? Good, well. But if you knew the truth about who you really are, wouldn't that change something like, If you could cut yourself some slack and realize that you're going to make mistakes in this world, and that sanctification is a process where I'm just working to get better, that I can change everything I'm doing and I'm walking out in peace, I'm walking out in understanding that I now have the righteousness of Christ in me. He fills me. That it is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. Something changes, something has to change, but we have to we have to understand about the Word of God being real, being true, being power, being authority. Otherwise, we're just relegated to being words on a page. And you might as well pick up a Reader's Digest. The sad part is the Reader's Digest will probably stick in your brain a little bit more. But well, let me tell you this. I'm going to wrap up we're going to come back to this next week. We'll be right here next week. But I just feel like God impressed it on my heart that, that we need to cover this. And I'm sorry that we're doing it quickly. What does righteousness mean? And I need you to know this and not just textbook answer. I don't care. I don't care what you learned in Sunday school about righteousness. And I'll bet you. I'll bet you don't say none of you ever heard anything about righteousness in Sunday school. Being in right standing. What's that? Being in right standing. In right standing? Okay, so I was over here so now I'm right standing.
0: That's left and this is right.
1: I'm like this with God. Like this with God. we peace. Is it me that's at peace with God or or God's at peace with me? here. how's that work? Alright, let me tell you. Let me, let me say this. Righteousness. We receive the righteousness of Christ. How did God view Jesus Christ when Jesus Christ came here? Even the 30 years before He started His ministry. How did God see Him? Perfect. Do you remember when Jesus started His ministry, what happened? Jesus went down to but he went down the river, where, who was down there? John the Baptist. John the Baptist. What was John the Baptist doing? The Baptist. He was baptizing. So why would Jesus go to John about baptism? Why don't he just dump himself? It's like, you're all that you bag of chips. Just dump yourself. Dump in the creek. Get her done. He took a very humble posture. He understood that he had to fulfill the word of God. What happened when Jesus came up out of the water? The sky was what? Torn open. Spirit of a dove in the shape of a dove came down. Where did the spirit land on Jesus' shoulder, what happened next? So that everybody heard it. That little bird, this is my son, whom I am well pleased. Came, it wasn't from the bird, it was from the sky. (laughs) That's God. And so, God, Jesus just got out of the water. How are you? Well, please, all I did is stand up. I'm still dripping wet. What are you talking about? Jesus Christ is the perfect, the perfect image of God the Father. Perfect. So when God looks to Jesus, he sees Jesus as perfect. Absolutely perfect. When Jesus came and he died on the cross the word says that Jesus became the propitiation for our sins. And yes, I went, what? I didn't have a spell word that much less than all of this means. But what it means is that Jesus became and took sin so he took our punishment, he took our punishment to make us as he is seen in the Father's eyes so that right standing that God sees Jesus as? Now God sees you that way. Say what? How does God see you? Perfect. Spotless. Without blemish. But I'm still sucking at things. God sees you as perfect. Does that mean that you can't sin? you can sin. Does that mean that you're to continue on sinning? No, you are not supposed to be continuing on. Continuing on is taking God's word in vain, and that is not a good place to be. However, receiving that righteousness of Christ in you and understanding that when God, the creator of heaven and earth, looks upon you, he sees you as perfect. Can you guys put your hand over your chest? Maybe. E. Thank you. All of you got your hand over your chest? In God's eyes, I'm perfect. In God's eyes, I am perfect. I am his righteous. And I need you guys to know that. I need you guys to understand that because that's where you need to take your mental state, your emotional state every time. Right? Like it doesn't do us a lot of good. We can sing words all we want to and do all those things. But our faith derives from Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit in us, and understanding that we are somebody and something new. We are a new creation. So you can stop beating yourself up. So what if life sucked when we started? It doesn't have to keep up that way. You can forgive those who have sinned against you. Where does that come from? Forgive me, Father. Right? Forgive us, Father, for our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us or sin against us. The Lord's Prayer. So if I'm receiving this gift of righteousness in me, comes this willingness, desire, and amazing ability to forgive those people who will cause harm to you. That's a gift from God. So I just need you guys to understand that we need to start looking differently at ourselves. There are truths and lies. There's light and there's dark. There's hell and there's heaven. The gospel is the truth, and so I just really want everybody to know that because it is—it is so important. Can anybody tell me what I think of this book? Can you tell me what I think of the Holy Bible? And what do I like it I or do I not like it? I love it. But if I don't understand, if I don't understand that this book was written for me, then I'm going to have a real hard time picking it up and believing it in the beginning. But from the youngest to the oldest, I want you to know that this. This book proves beyond all shadow of a doubt that there is a God who loves you. There is a God who looks at you as spotless, perfect, beautifully, wonderfully made. You are forgiven. Okay? What did you do this morning? What did you do last night? It's forgiven. There's repentance, and so we'll talk about that in another time, but I really know that God wants you to know that you are loved and He sees you perfect you are in right standing for righteousness to God Amen. Amen let's do some worship so Father we thank you Lord we thank you for this day, we thank you for this time Lord God we thank you for this message you, Father God, just lost us all. You do the